0: name's Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times is what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, the astonishing claim that Donald Trump had to be stopped from joining the US Capitol riot by his security detail. This is testimony at the congressional investigation into the events of January the 6th, 2021 from Cassidy Hutchinson, an aide to Mark Meadows, who was then Trump's chief of staff. We've got the Emmy award-winning journalist, heidi sigmund kuda with us as well as reading heidi in the byline times you can also hear her on the radicalized podcast before that just a reminder that the byline times podcast is funded by subscribers to the byline times our brilliant monthly newspaper we can report without fear or favor because we don't have to dance to the tune of a wealthy proprietor our funding comes from ordinary readers taking out subscriptions to the byline times so please subscribe if you can Just head over to our website, bylinetimes.com. That's bylinetimes.com. And if you've already taken out a subscription, thank you. Let's get a word then with Heidi Siegmund Kuda. This is an astonishing claim, Heidi. The idea that the President of the United States, as he then was, had to be restrained from joining a riot at a building at the heart of government.
1: Yes, and the fact that he knew that this mob was armed. They had been confiscating weapons all morning. And the fact that it was made clear, listening to police radio dispatches at this hearing, that they were uh, you know, capturing AR-15s and Glocks and rifles. And um, I don't know if your friends in the UK understand that they held an emergency hearing because a White House aide for Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, testified. Her name is Cassidy Hutchinson, and she is a 26-year-old woman who had access to all these key players and events. And she had given four recorded testimonials to the committee, but this was the first time we heard her live. And it was absolutely, unbelievably devastating for Trump and his allies. And it's also quite shocking for our country. I mean, we don't have a historical precedent like this. We don't have a president who knows that there is a, an armed mob marching to the Capitol who wants to actually stoke further fear. We don't, we, we don't have anything like that. We, this is uncharted territory for our country.
0: Absolutely. I, I think it's worth saying at this point that Trump has denied Cassidy Hutchinson's evidence and just want to place that on the record. But let's take a, take a little walk through the allegations in detail. The suggestion that he actually tried to grab the steering wheel of the presidential car on January the 6th and use the phrase I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now.
1: Yes, he apparently accosted the the head of his Secret Service detail. And I think that might go a long way for the law enforcement in this country that thinks that they may be pro-Trump. They might want to look at that again, because he is apparently harming, attempting to harm his own head of his detail, security, uh, secret secret service detail. That's a big deal. She also describes a very petulant man who is throwing things and there's ketchup on the wall of the White House and broken porcelain. And when he finds out that Bill Barr won't co-sign on his accusations of fraud, he's literally throwing things. And if anybody has ever known a petulant, explosive human being, particularly a powerful, spoiled brat man, they can really see what she's describing and it becomes very, very believable that Rudy Giuliani is mentioned as having awareness of what was going to happen on January 6th, that, that a Mike Flynn and a Roger Stone meeting had been set up according to her through Mark Meadows the night before is incredibly damning. And we find out that uh, more of these characters requested a pardon. That is also incredibly damning. Just
0: explain, please, for UK listeners, the significance of the Flynn-Stone meeting. What, what would that mean?
1: Flynn was part of the December 18th meeting where in previous hearings, we you know learned that some of this was cooked up, Roger Stone is a political operative who was very close to some of the uh, white supremacists who've been charged with seditious conspiracy, and what and and we see video of disgraced General Mike Flynn pleading the fifth on such complicated things as. Do you believe in a peaceful transfer of power? Like this is just shocking. So what we think we're going to be seeing in future hearings is that they are going to be linking perhaps Mark Meadows role as a liaison to perhaps Mike Flynn and Stone, who appear to have had some orchestrating roles because we know that both Flynn and Stone, Stone who used Uh, Proud Boys and Oath Keeper types as his security detail, they know that they have been coordinating with these guys. That appears to be what we're going to be hearing more of. And, you know, I say this to you right now, and this is something that my team and others have been investigating for the last, you know, 18 months. So to actually see it laid out through the committee was unbelievable. Like it's yeah. something that we've wanted to hear, but just just so your UK listeners know, these guys are just some bad actors. And now all of a sudden, there they are front and center in the hearings. Uh, these are two gentlemen that received pardons uh, from Trump for their previous indiscretions. So um, yes, it looks to me like we can expect to hear more about what their role may have been in uh, orchestrating and manoeuvring much of the activity that day.
0: And the context here, of course, is that a few weeks earlier, Joe Biden had won the US election. He defeated Trump in the presidential battle. Trump was adamant. He pushed out the false claim that the election had been stolen, that he was somehow defrauded of the election. And things came to a head on January the 6th at the Capitol building. And in the run up to this, this is more of the evidence that emerged from Cassidy Hutchinson, the evidence was mounting that this was likely to be a violent event. This wasn't just an ordinary protest.
1: Well, that's what's just so incredibly shocking and damning. We, we have Liz Cheney at the very beginning of the hearing rattling off a litany of weapons that were confiscated from the mob, pepper spray, knives, brass knuckles, tasers, body armor, gas masks, batons, blunt weapons. And those are just the people who actually were cleared to go see the president speak before the insurrection started. That's what happened when people went through metal detectors. Trump, in his very Reality TV way looks and sees that the crowd isn't very big. And of course, everything about Trump is optics and how is it going to play on camera? So he's furious because it's a very thin crowd because a lot of the mob did not want to give up their weaponry, as we came to find out. So he wanted to get rid of the metal detectors so more people could hear him speak. And we know the speech was essentially a very mob-like marching order you know I'm going to go march with you I'm going to go correct this wrong with you and all these people did just that. I think
0: one of the phrases Trump used in that address as well was urging supporters to quote fight like hell to overturn his election defeat. I mean in context that's a pretty scary thing to hear as you say he Call for the metal detectors to be called off. He says, I don't care if they have weapons. They're not here to hurt me.
1: That was mind-blowing yeah. that they're not here to hurt me. So what he's saying is he's aware that they're here to hurt others. Obviously, potentially his vice president, but that they're not here to hurt me, that to me was one of the most shocking lines of the whole thing.
0: Rudy Giuliani, very prominent Republican, former mayor of New York as well, apparently had a conversation with Cassidy, Cassidy Hutchinson, and he again was anticipating significant events on the 6th.
1: I have a wonderful quote. I'd love to read your audience from a retired Fed who was a criminal investigator for the IRS. He said, Rudy Giuliani's big mouth continues to work against his interests. And why that amuses me so much is that this particular ex-federal agent used to work with Rudy Giuliani in the 80s. And he said he was nothing short of brilliant. He said he had just had such a great mind. And I've repeatedly asked my friend, his name is Martin Scheel, what happened to him? And he just feels he got a taste of the high life became mobbed up himself and really thought that he was above the law, like many of these people that kind of uh, are Trump's sycophants. But I just love that line, Rudy Giuliani's big mouth. And we are seeing over and over again that these guys really don't know Omerta very well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: But Giuliani said to Cassidy Hutchinson, are you excited for the 6th? It's going to be a great day. We're going to the Capitol. Yeah. The president's going to be there. Yeah. So that sense that this was not just a spontaneous uprising, no. there is a level of organization. And Cassidy Hutchinson's boss, Mark Meadows, was obviously fearful of what might happen.
1: Well, what's interesting about Giuliani is in that statement, he stated for knowledge. He had knowledge of this event that is not gonna bode well for him legally. And what's so interesting about uh, Cassidy's descriptions of Mark Meadows is that he's checked out. She keeps describing a guy who's just scrolling on his phone and non-responsive when this bloody violent event is escalating. She can't get a response. And his response essentially to a White House lawyer is, you see that Trump thinks that Mike Pence deserves this. Like he doesn't basically saying that Trump doesn't want to stop this. And one very key thing that uh, this former uh, criminal investigator pointed out, Martin Shiel, is that we just had two major schemers, you know, alleged schemers in this Trump's guys, Jeff Clark and John Eastman, who were key to his various plots. Both of them just were, one was raided by a federal agent and his electronic devices were taken. Jeff Clark, who was the subject of a previous hearing. And then John Eastman, who was very much key to trying to come up with some fake electoral scheme. He just had his electronic devices confiscated from federal agents. So. My source is pointing out, as she's noting that Mark Meadows is just scrolling on his phone, he believes that that's kind of a tip-off, that his electronic devices will be next to go. He did turn over many of his text messages, and we saw how many Fox News people were reaching out to him and texting him, even Trump's own son, Don Jr., asking him to do something to stop this. And clearly he just appeared by the way Cassidy described him as somebody who was checked out and somewhat resigned to how this was all going to play out. And Meadows uh,
0: at at the congressional hearing, according to Cassidy Hutchinson, obviously Meadows hasn't given testimony, but Cassidy Hutchinson said that... Meadows had said that things might get real, real bad on January the 6th. That was after her meeting with Rudy Giuliani on January the 2nd. So again, this accumulation of detail that people deep inside the White House, including the president, including his chief of staff, were anticipating yeah. significant problems. And there was a character called Pat Cipollone.
1: Yeah, Pat Cipollone. Cipollone, Pat Cipollone yeah.
0: White, White House counsel who said that Trump couldn't go down to the Capitol and warned that they would be charged with all sorts of crimes if they did allow the president to go down there. And Pat Cipollone said to Meadows, again, according to Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, Mark, something needs to be done or people are going to die and blood's going to be on your hands. This is getting out of control. I'm going to get out. So this was on the the day itself. And they tried then to persuade Trump to do something.
1: Yeah. I mean, according to Cassidy, Mark Meadows' response to that, when, when Pat Cipollone told him that they're literally calling for the vice president to be effing hung, right? His response was, you heard him, Pat. He thinks Mike deserves it. He doesn't think they're doing anything wrong. I mean, the hearing was historic it's beyond anything that we've ever seen before. So I think it's almost hard to comprehend just the depravity of all this. Again, we're sort of in this reality TV world with this reality TV president. He will come out with his propaganda talking points. They're already, hearsay is already uh, trending on Twitter, the GOP's big get back. Is saying that you know this is all hearsay. No, this is a woman who was there, and she's reciting what she saw and what she heard. That's not hearsay. This is literally uh, an eyewitness having the courage to tell us how things went down. And and all I know is when I look at this young, lovely woman, soft-spoken, poised, very bright. I think to myself, where has the Democratic Party gone wrong that somebody like this? will be working for Ted Cruz and will be ecstatic to work for Trump and ends up working with Mark Meadows. It's always just a bit traumatic for me when I listen to the people who were embedded in Trump's White House. There's a part of me that's like, they helped normalize this monster. And yet somewhere along the line, Democrats have something very important to learn from this.
0: One disturbing piece of testimony actually coming from the committee's vice chair, Liz Cheney, and perhaps reflecting the incendiary nature of these allegations was the suggestion that witnesses who have appeared already before the panel had been intimidated.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. And intimidated in that very gangster mob speak that has been a through line through this hearing. It's very much like some, you know, elongated version of Goodfellas. It's all the, the president knows that you're, you know, that you're a friend. It's it's always those words that just kind of make my skin crawl personally because all of it's sort of in the, the subtext.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the exact quote was one of the witnesses received a message very much along the lines that you've suggested, he wants me to let you know he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal, <laughs> and yeah. it's the
1: kind of thing. Yeah, you know,
0: if, if Tony Soprano yeah. had sent you that yes. message, you kind of yeah. Yes. Okay, I know, I know what's going yes. on.
1: <laughs> yes, what what's going on is that there could be cement boots in some of these guys' future. I mean, you know, I I don't. <sighs> I I don't, you know, I've said this before, I don't acknowledge the GOP as anything like what the GOP might have been historically. It is now a party of insurrectionists. We already know how many people ask for pardons from Trump because I believe that they know that what they're doing is illegal. And when we talk about the big lie, I've said this before, we're just talking about corruption. And cover for corruption. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what what more it's going to take. But they are doing a masterful job of walking people through the facts, pulling out key Republican witnesses, which I just don't see how it can't be devastating to Donald Trump. But perhaps he just doesn't believe in reality. He's given no indication of it.
0: Again, to repeat, Trump has denied that what Cassidy Hutchinson has said is true the amount of damning evidence building up against him in what has been as you say a pretty masterfully controlled and presented series of hearings might suggest that your prediction when we first started talking about this that Trump could be prosecuted may actually come true.
1: Well, that is one of the things that we think is very, very possible. It's absolutely stunning that uh, we see that he had knowledge that these people who showed up at the Capitol that day were armed. And that really does put him in the crosshairs of potential seditious conspiracy charges. He had knowledge that they were armed and he directed them to march down to the Capitol and, you know... That is what we call, uh, you know, instigating an insurrection. So I don't see how that can't be damning for him. Our mutual friend, journalist and author, Paul Mason, he wrote How to Stop Fascism. He had one of my favorite lines in the story that just ran. It was posted in byline, and it's a recap of what we're talking about. He had a line where he talked about what Biden's response has to be and how essentially It must be fought like Sherman fought the Confederacy. Nothing less would satisfy the meaning of the Constitution. Doesn't matter how many guns are legally held, insurrection is a crime. I love that, telling Joe Biden to fight this like Sherman fought the Confederacy. I mean, how powerful is that?
0: You can read more on this at bylinetimes.com, where Heidi is a frequent contributor as well. You can also hear her on the Radicalize podcast, and she'll be keeping us up to date with the latest on these congressional hearings. Thank you so much, Heidi. As always, real pleasure to speak to you. I'm Adrian Goldberg. This has been the Byline Times podcast, funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times podcast fighting the good fight we like to think if you want to subscribe and that is how we survive so please think about doing it get over to our website bylinetimes.com where you'll find all the details that's at bylinetimes.com and please check out as well on your smartphone the bylines app which will open up the world of our regional bylines to you as well thanks for listening thank you very much indeed Heidi thank you see you next time